0: Is our business.
1: It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore, and guess what, Ken? First of all, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
0: Everybody, it's Christmas Day, so I hope you're all opening up presents and drinking some hot chocolate and have a fire by you if it's, you know, under 70 degrees, which it's not in Texas, probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, d- down here in Houston, we had snow a couple weeks ago, so that, w- that was it. We're done for cold weather for a while. But uh, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good day. And hey, guess what? It's also Star Wars season, Ken, isn't it? It
1: sure is Star Wars season, and... um it has been a very fascinating Star Wars season, to say the least. The least with this new movie they've put out.
0: That's true. That's true. You know, the uh, I, I've never been i um, I've always been skeptical. of Rotten Tomatoes, you know, because people are always like, "Hey, what's the Rotten Tomatoes score?" I'm like, "Hey, why don't you make your own opinion?" You know, right? But <laughs> so many people are like, "Oh, what's what's the score, man? I got the percentage." People act like the Rotten Tomato score is the gospel truth for everything, huh? Eh? Right. And then you know, uh, until it doesn't fit like the narrative of. <laughs> what hollywood wants you to believe and it's like oh no it's fake and blah 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 it's just it's just funny to see you know because we have the, we live in this 24/7 entertainment news cycle and everybody's trying to find a story somewhere mm-hmm. and the, the topic of the conversation is the rotten tomatoes score for star wars the last jedi that's been like the big topic of nerd conversation for the last couple of weeks it's, just, it's it's amusing but uh but you know when when star wars uh, it's funny that the, the, the december has really become star wars month and christmas season has become star wars season the last two or three years all because harrison ford broke his leg making the force awakens and they had to (laughs) to delay the release force awakens comes out december huge enormous hit they they say oh well let's keep trying this rogue one comes out in december huge enormous hit uh the last jedi comes out in you know in december Mm -hmm. financially a huge hit so i i feel like even if they do have some future star wars films on the schedule for like may and stuff because that used to be traditionally star wars month it's going to be december from now on it's just a good business call i think
1: i agree with you do you think they figured out the formula from the motion picture what are your thoughts there probably not huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly yes <laughs> there's
0: there is no comparison uh so I... to, to, to that point to that point Ken, that, uh, why are we talking about star wars i thought it was a star trek podcast well we're, we're going to talk we're going to do something a little different you know because it, it being star wars season and all uh, you know, there are six original series movies, right. or proper original series movies. And there are six Star Wars movies. According to my Blu-ray set that says The Complete Saga, uh-huh. you know, it says there's six movies in it. So I don't know what all these other movies are coming out as. <laughs> 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 but in the in the pre-Disney Star Wars, there were two trilogies. And not that Star Trek movies are broken up in trilogies. We have like a trilogy in between all the other movies, which is just an interesting little little footnote there as far as how the format goes for these films but you know i thought it'd be fun to just kind of compare them both uh you know go go blow by blow see who has the better franchise here just a little a little fun conversation for christmas day for you guys so going a little outside our box you, you guys know we like going outside our jumping
1: over the wall as ken often says right boy we're jumping over a big one here we're not even bothering anyone else in star trek so i think this is actually a pretty fair topic and i thought this was very clever on your part zach so well done putting this together as we compare movie to movie and i haven't done the the scorekeeping in my head just putting little check marks next to things but this will be a good conversation so very well done there buddy
0: well thank you sir and you know star trek movies i know there's lots of there's like the general understanding of oh yeah star wars came out and then star power mount was like oh what do we have we have star trek let's bring out the motion picture uh there are various layers of truth to that they were trying movies before they were trying tv shows so mm-hmm. if you want to get down to the nitty gritty i'm sure somebody could come at you and say oh no actually it's this or no actually it's that but you know in general speak there is a uh, there is a correlation to the original star wars Hence, retitled Episode 4, A New Hope, (laughs) and Star Trek, the motion picture. So, Ken, I am curious,
1: off the top, what do you call Episode 4? Do you just call it Star Wars? I do. uh, In talking about it in general, I do. And then when we get into more specific conversations, I'll I'll be, oh, yeah, it's called A New Hope. But, yeah, you know, again, Zach, it goes back to the fact that I saw this, you know, in the theaters. Uh, It was the biggest thing ever at the time. So... It was just Star Wars for, I guess, throughout the original um, trilogy. It was some years after, I believe, that they changed the title. I can, I'm can i a little bit more up on my Star Trek history than I am Star Wars, although I do know Star Wars pretty well. It was just Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, right? that's it, When it's ingrained in your head and it, it didn't come out with a title like that. Of course, when it came out, who knew there'd be another one or another one? That wasn't... Um, that wasn't part of the game. It, it, nobody was really sure where this movie was gonna go when it when it launched. So, I think of Star Wars. I think of the original, uh, the original movie.
0: Yeah, being being a stickler for you know, detail, I do refer to it as a New Hope. You know, whenever I I talk about it online, I always call it A and H. You know, the abbreviation. Just like you know, we do all the Star Trek titles. Well, there's There's T walk and There's right. <laughs> you know, when you're abbreviating, but it just makes it easier to distinguish because you say, "Oh, Star Wars, which one?" Oh, the first one. Well, well, you mean the first one, like episode one or episode four? So it's just easier to say like a new hope. It's funny I didn't realize this because everybody does call it Star Wars, right? This the Star Wars trilogy: Star Wars, the Empire Strikes right. Back, Empire Strikes Back, the Jedi. Uh, when when I was a kid, and we got these uh, the THS. THX digitally remastered trilogy, like on VHS. Mm -hmm. You look at this. You look at the spine, right? And the first one says Star Wars, really big, and then really small, really small. It says A New Hope. Yeah, because they they started to sneak that in. Oh, I see. Um, and then the other two obviously like Star Wars is really small. Then Empire Strikes Back, etc., etc. And then around the time you know the DVDs and stuff started coming out after the prequels, they really started to push like okay, the episode numbers and the titles, and they have like the big four, the five, the six, and that's when I think A New Hope kind of trickled into the more pop culture because I th- really up until then it was it was just Star Wars and right rightly so you know I mean Lucas is notorious for re retitling movies you know like uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. that's a retitle <laughs> it's, it's just Raiders of the Lost Ark you know right. because he he is one of the Raiders of the Lost Ark so it's kind of redundant to say that but you know to their credit for it's probably Spielberg because it's not a Lucasfilm uh, 100% production they didn't they didn't change the title in the actual movie like, if you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, it just comes up and it says, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It doesn't say Indiana Jones on <laughs> the Raiders of the Lost Ark. But right. anyway, what a rabbit hole.
1: What a rabbit hole. <laughs> eh, it's still interesting to me. What was the timeline for A New Hope? When did they actually come up with that? Was this, you know, a that few It was nineteen eighty
0: eighty one 1981, the re-release after Empire Strikes Back. 81. understand Okay, it. so I, yeah. in
1: my mind, I thought it was a lot later than that when they were trying to figure out what would be the next set. Now, you, you know, we had the first three movies. And back then, we were told we were getting nine, right? That was his goal. Yes,
0: I, even, even when I was a kid, yep. I remember reading the magazines. Oh, it's a trilogy of trilogies. And I'm like, oh, that's some great symmetry there.
1: That's right. So it was it was a big deal. And um, of course, you know, we're going to have nine episodes. It's going to be big. And then nothing happened, right, for a, a long time, for 16, 17 years, maybe more. It was 99 when Phantom Menace came yeah, out. Yeah,
0: 83 to 99, no Star Wars movies. Yeah,
1: and, they, and it was like, well people are getting old you know <laughs> and i think we were all kind of surprised at the time that they went with a a prequel just because of the age of the actors it would have made a lot more sense if it was the same team right this is just mindset of course all of that stuff is blown out of the water now but back then that was that was the thought process so you know we, we were excited to be getting nine eventually and then of course after three it was all stop and um it was it was it was an interesting time, no doubt, and just to um, to you know to, to finally be finishing it off, this many years later is just uh, it's crazy to me, but it's neat.
0: Mm, for sure, yeah. I mean, I I remember there was always like whenever April Fool's Day would come around on the internet, there'd always be some story about oh they're making episode seven, eight, nine, and and you know every now and then I'd get fooled, and I click on an article and you start reading like the first two three paragraphs and you realize oh this is a joke, but then when the Disney announced you know they buying star wars and they're gonna be a sequel trilogy it was like are you serious like we're gonna get seven eight and nine like i was told when i was a kid i was told that we're gonna get nine and then you know during my young adult life i was told no there's only six and now it's like oh no there's nine and there's gonna be a star wars movie every day every day well it feels that way mm. every year for the rest of our lives now it's like oh maybe that's a little too much saturation but anyway all that to say it all started with star wars in 1977 right changed the way movies are made mm-hmm. revolutionized special effects really distilled down all the mythological heroes, journeys, tales into one uh, story, you know, that was universally praised by everyone and connected everyone on a, on a, just a deep level, you know, just anyone could relate to Star Wars. You could, you could see yourself as any one of these characters. It was just like a modern, a modern fairy tale, right? And that's the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. Star Trek's for science
1: fiction, Star Wars is science fantasy. And that's the way I kind of mm-hmm. divided two. Yep, that's, that's correct. I think that's how everybody kind of kind of looked at it. I think for us Star Trek fans, I wasn't a big, big Star Trek fan in 77. I wasn't very big in 1977, but <laughs> uh, 11 years old, I guess. So anyway, it was just one of those times where there wasn't a lot of comparisons. However, you know, there were a lot of terms in Star Wars, you know, that, that kind of tractor beam, just different things they would say and so forth that would link it back to Star Trek in my mind. I'm not saying Star Trek was or wasn't the originator of a lot of these terms. I think a lot of them they were, but there were plenty that had been in play in other shows. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Two two very different franchises, but, you know, if it wasn't for one, the other wouldn't have been relaunched the way it was. So it's uh, good on Star Wars there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because Star Trek, I mean, George Lucas has even said this, Star Trek in some ways did influence him, you know, he was a fan of Star Trek because, you know, he, he liked all that stuff. and influenced some of star wars and then star wars going back influenced star Trek so it's you know it, it, they're all they're they're connected guys and then you know, we'll even look fast forward to today JJ abrams relaunches star Trek in o nine and then JJ abrams relaunches star wars in 2015. it's like you know it's it, we're still connected you know, all these years later but uh so yeah star wars I mean they're really if we gotta you know if we gotta break this down here because i mean we, we could go in circles talking about star wars versus star Trek all day being the the six film cycle of the original series it's easiest to compare film to film the six film lucas star wars saga if you will and you know you could do what order do you do it in right well you gotta do you gotta go contemporary you gotta go you know in order of release so star wars the new hope versus star trek the motion picture now i know star trek the motion picture it's your favorite star trek movie can so this might be tough for you and i love star trek because i do star trek podcasts but i also love star wars and it's it's hard to argue against star wars a new hope being the superior film of these two. Mm-hmm. So I, I would love to hear you
1: make a case oh, no. <laughs> or at least play <laughs> i, don't. At least a play I really don't advocate. <laughs> i really don't have one. Uh, i was a huge star wars fan, still am a huge star wars fan. So that that you know, it's not like you have to be one or the other. But I'm also intelligent enough, believe it or not, and and have uh, the enough emotional quotient to say that there's no, there's no there there's there's no comparison to. So there is no comparison. Is How no sacrilegious comparison. for
0: you to turn that around on the motion picture.
1: That's right. There is no comparison <laughs> to uh to the original Star Wars and Star Trek the motion picture. I I am I I love Star Wars for two reasons, uh, one because it's just a great movie, but two because it started the whole franchise again, and it gave me the motion picture. Now I will say. If I'm, you know, if, if there's a time block that's available and I want to rewatch a movie, I always tend now to lean more towards the Star Trek movies by far, like 10 to 1, than I do the Star Wars movies, the older ones. And I've watched Star Trek The Motion Picture many more times than I have from Star Wars, you know, over time uh, on, on, you know, Netflix or, or DVD or whatever. But Star Wars may have been one of the top movies I've seen in the theaters over and over. You know, because being a kid, uh, being able to walk maybe a mile and a quarter to the movie theater back then it was a buck a movie, was something like two bucks, whatever the heck it was. Uh, it was summertime. It, it was you know, go go see Star Wars again. Oh gee, do I have to? Okay, you know, I couldn't run fast enough. So yeah, yeah, Star Wars by far I think is 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 the better movie, and for all the right reasons.
0: Yeah, the thing about Star Wars for me is like I I actually have seen every star is a movie in the theater because they re-released the original trilogy in 97. So I've seen the special editions and even I, I remember in the special editions, you know, when they blew up the death star, people were like cheering in the theater. Like a guy threw his hat, like a baseball cap in the air. You know, it was just such a theater going experience. So even, even 20 years after the original release, I was glad I got to participate in those because as this commercial said for a whole generation, people might get you only experienced it on television, you know, full screen four by three, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a completely different experience to go see in a the theater. Uh, and, and, you know, now, now that I think about it, I have not seen any of the original Star Trek movies in the theater other than Star Trek VI because uh, uh, that, that was the first, actually, as I've said on the podcast before, that's my first memory going to the movies. Just seeing the end credits, I slept through the rest. I don't know. I was like five or something, so give me a break. But, <laughs> I, I you know, I would love to go see them sometime. You know, I'm always, I am always always got my eye out for, um, you know, theatrical releases and stuff, and it, it didn't work out for me to go see Wrath of Khan uh i would have with y'all but i had you know we had hurricane harvey up in here so we're gonna we're gonna keep branching that it's my remainder of the podcast on here apparently but you know that was a big deal a lot of happened there so i would have seen wrath of con but i i'm sure my opportunity will come again we get we have theaters uh a couple of theaters in town that, that show up movies and stuff and I, I would love to see you know to experience the original star trek movies in theater. i don't know how many people might show like star trek five it might be <laughs> Might be a struggle to find that screen somewhere, but the rest of them, I think, I have a pretty good shot. Well, you
1: know what's interesting, Zach, is as I think back on it. There's there's been a lot of big movie releases, and there's been a lot of things that have kind of tipped things over on its head. The way movies are made, right? I think of you know the like the Dark Knight was one of those movies. It was like, oh my god, it was it was just game changing, and there were a lot of movies like that over the last ten years. But nothing compares to uh, Star Wars. The only thing I could think of that really compared as far as Impact was jaws. Jaws, there was nothing huh. ever made like it in 1975. No film ever made that kind of money. You know, that was the original blockbuster and people people were like it could never happen again. You know, it was that that impactful. Well, then comes Star Wars and it's it's been mind-blowing. I mean, if if you, you know, it's it's hard to explain to people who weren't around back then, but Star Wars was everything and everywhere. It it's um, its marketing was unbelievable. The products you could get and I was a little kid then, so you know, I had every Star Wars toy you can imagine. I mean, it changed the game when it came to movies and when it came to launching a series. I mean we've we've had Jurassic Park and you know, um, other other great I guess trilogies or movies or, or series that have come out, you know, the Marvel comics, all that other stuff, D C you name it, but nothing. I mean nothing compares to when Star Wars came on the scene. It was, you know, Jaws was at least a a pretty successful, fairly successful novel. And there were people really interested in, in seeing how they were going to pull this off. But nobody expected it to do what it did. But there was at least some history there. Star Wars just was like, it just came. It was, it was like a, an alien force landed on the planet. And nothing has been the same since. It it changed Everything, like you said, it changed how movies were made, how people approached things. It started, you know, a love and a and a a draw towards science fiction, and all the TV shows that came on after that, whether Battlestar Galactica, yeah, Big Time Battlestar Galactica, right? I mean, (laughs) didn't do that well. Buck Rogers didn't do that well. No, but they were all trying to capture that magic. And there was a lot of other movies. You know, Close Encounters was a few years after that. That you know, uh, Close
0: Encounters was the same year, actually. No, it wasn't. In the '77. No. Look it up. No. You. Look look, it
1: up. No. I'm telling you, it wasn't. I'm telling you. Look it up. It was a year. Look it up. It was a year later. I will look it look up. Look it up. Uh, look stop it, up, it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> You're gonna embarrass yourself. I was there. I remember. So. All right. um, look it up. Oh, stop it. Um, <laughs> have you already looked it up and proven me wrong? Because I haven't no. yet. But I will I, right I'm now. looking.
0: I'm looking right yeah, now. Look, you can see me right now. I'm not having looked anything up. I just All know right. that it came out the same year. It didn't. He's going. Ken is look this is live, folks. This is live, raw, unedited, standard orbit, unplugged. Ken is looking up what year Close Encounters of Third Kind came out.
1: It says seventy seven.
0: Yeah, I told you. I was there.
1: (laughs) I could have sworn it was seventy
0: eight. Like the year after. Superman Superman the movie was seventy eight. I know that. So what what a time to be live. You know, like the '70s and the '80s. Can I envy you experiencing all these movies for the first time? Like it's like the golden age of science fiction blockbusters. Because today, you know, I, we get so many in a year. You know, it's like it's like you mentioned Jurassic Park earlier. To me, that was like my Star Wars for guys my age. It was like, oh my gosh, this has changed the way movies are made. CGI, dinosaurs, a good story, a good blockbuster. You know, that Star uh, Jurassic Park was the Star Wars of my generation. And even now, you look back and Jurassic Park. Still revolutionary special effects that movies have yet to live up to. I mean, you look at the you know the modern Jurassic Park, like Jurassic World. And you're like, okay, well that's pretty good, but nothing is as game changing and great as Jurassic Park. So I don't know. I just, I, we we are desensitized because back in the day you had like two, three blockbusters a year. Now they they you try to have like ten or twelve, and everything you just get lost in the gets lost in the shuffle. So. Ken is still reeling over being incorrect oh about i'm reeling. Comments, yes
1: december 77 it was when it went to large release i was so you probably you probably saw it you know in january, in january
0: yeah. of 78 so that's fine
1: No, that's not fine i was wrong i hate being wrong anyway humbling humbling on a podcast here <laughs> especially with you i was so confident i was right for once <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, at yeah, any rate, right. so
0: Star Wars wins so, versus the motion picture. Uh, Star
1: Wars wins handily over the motion picture. Okay. Although just...
0: you did see, you did see some influences of Star Wars. Obviously, the motion picture, as we always say, is like this mix between, or at least an attempt to be, a mix between 2001: and Space Odyssey, which came out in 1968 during Star Trek. During Star Trek. Right? It's yeah. just crazy to think about that. And. You know, Star Wars. Even the scene the, the scene that really strikes me the most... Well, there's two, two I guess, moments in the motion picture that strike me the most. Star Wars is when the the, the first shot, all the Klingon ships, right. you know? Mm-hmm. It's very Star Wars. like, oh, here's the ship. And, you know, you, you pan around the whole ship. And a very impressive shot. But it's, you know, Star Wars' first shot was, was classic and iconic as well as seeing the Star Destroyer. And then when, when Spock's shuttle comes and docks with the Enterprise, like, the ship comes up and it spins around. And it docks, like, this whole, you know, wobbly do or whatever... <laughs> Yeah, the I mean, is word? I don't even, yeah. even said that before. But anyway, this whole thing is made out of, you know, oh look at this ship coming, and we're, we're going to sell this model, you know. And that that was that was the failing of the motion picture. They spent too much time on the special effects, and you know, if you watch any of the the behind the scenes material for Star Wars, you know, uh, vintage like '80s Lucas would be, you know, special effects without a story is a pretty boring thing. It's a famous quote Lucas said. I wish he would have followed his own advice in the prequels. You know, because he would say, oh, you look at these other big sci-fi movies, and he was clearly talking about Star Trek motion picture, and they say they spent so much time looking at what they did. Like, look at what we've achieved. Look at all this time and money we spent on something. When it's like, no, it should just be, like, the window dressing for your story. And, you know, he was he was correct, and that, that was a failing of the motion picture. They just spent too much time, you know, we're going through V'ger, and we're looking at the view screen and stuff like that. You know, when Robert Wise re-edited it finally a couple, uh, couple decades later, he rectified a lot of that, and th- that cut out a lot of the... Uh, uh, the time time wasters of the motion picture, but uh, you know, hey, both good movies. Oh, they're, they're not in the Star same. Star Wars yeah. is Star Star Wars is Star Wars. Yeah, so, like so, I said, so, one,
1: one started a franchise, one tried to relaunch it, and you could argue not successful financially, successfully commercially, not so much. And I think that um, you know, if, if the motion picture did anything, I think it upped a lot of people's games and special effects going for, forward. Uh-huh. Uh, and then in order to, to rein in the cost, what does Star Trek do? They bring in ILM to do their special effects for their movies. So there's the other thing that pulls them all together.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And then ILM does most, the majority of the Star Trek movies moving forward. Uh, so point one for Star Wars. Uh, we'll move on to the next one, Empire Strikes Back versus The Wrath of Khan. Now, this is a very tough one because most people consider each of these movies the best of their respective franchises. Uh, Empire Strikes Back came out in 1980. Wrathcon came out in 1982. They actually take very similar, like, you know, whenever people say, like, you know, the, we're going to do darker with the sequel, like, oh, we're going all Wrathcon, or we're going all Empire Strikes Back, like, people still use these two movies as, like, the definition of a, of a, of a sequel. I and mean, then I think The Dark Knight has, has joined them, and then everybody says Godfather Part Two, which, you know, the only sequel... Uh, for a long time, to have won an Academy, to be nominated, and then won an Academy Award, *Return of the King* did it years later, right. as well. But uh, I mean, the, the, that, that's rare company you're talking about with *Empire Strikes Back* and *The Wrath of Khan*. And again, *Star Trek* fans, *Star Trek* podcast. But if you say, "Hey, pick one," I'm gonna have to pick *Empire Strikes Back*. Ken, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, it's it's a tougher one, and it's funny because I always, <clears throat> when you think about these comparisons the fact that the Wrath of Khan has its name, or they use the term Wrath, is because it was going to be, you know, the Revenge of the Jedi.
0: Oh, good call, good call, yeah. So
1: I always was thinking that, you know, those two movies kind of compare because uh, Return of the Jedi came out in 83, correct, right? Yeah, okay. Right. Look it up, look it up, look it up. You got that one, you got that one. (laughs) Anyway, and so I always (laughs) kind of thought those two movies were, were joined as far as comparison, right? I never kind of looked back in the lens that you've created here. And... It, to me, again, it, as far it, I love the Wrath of Khan, I, I love it, and again, I think I've seen that more times now than than anything since Star Wars, and I love it. But you know, The Empire Strikes Back was a you know nothing compares to the Star Wars movies other than the motion picture in terms of just being an epic film. They just don't. Um, you know the, the money the 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 level of effort the uh, you know the draw it's it's almost like back then Star Wars was in a league of its own so it's really really hard to compare those two movies but because uh, the wrath of khan as much as i love it to me always played more like a tv show it was it was different it was more star trek and i love it uh but star wars the empire strikes back again it was like how do you catch lightning in a bottle and they did it they did it with the empire strikes back i mean <laughs> We were all sitting there with our jaws open at the end of the Empire Strikes Back. At the end of Empire, I mean, just completely like, what just happened? You know, who's his father? What's going on here? Oh my God, how are they going to save Han? I mean, you were like at the end of your seat, edge of your seat, watching that and having to wait another two or three years, uh, two to three years, to to catch the sequel. I mean, it was it was incredible. Star Wars. Began and end, it could be, you know, yes, Darth Vader lives, and that was big on a lot of t-shirts. But, you know, you're guessing there's going to be a sequel because it was successful. But if there wasn't one, it was a complete movie. The Empire Strikes Back, man, that, that left you gunning for more. And you could argue the same for The Wrath of Khan in the sense that it was a complete movie and it ended. They throw the thing there with, you know, Spock's soft landing and all that. But it could have ended there. And, and you would have been fine, right, in terms of a, a uh-huh. complete movie. But, yeah, The Empire Strikes Back, that was a game-changing movie. It was like they did it. Not only did they do it, but they had you like, I can't wait for the next one, just going out of your mind for the next one to see what happened.
0: Well, the thing about The Empire Strikes Back is you mentioned the, the twist there. Like, that was that was a huge deal for movies. Now, it seems like today everybody's trying to do a twist. You go to every movie... And it's like who's the villain and you know, who's the real bad guy here? And they're trying to like hide stuff from you for just for the sake of a twist and but back back then that that was that was pretty rare than like, you know, Hitchcock movies or something, It's twists like that. But it it served the story well and it completely made sense, and it didn't it didn't like intentionally lie to the audience, although unlike Obi Wan intentionally lying to Luke <laughs> in a New Hope. When that when they figured all that out for Empire Strikes Back, it was very you know, very linear how how they did that. It didn't contradict anything, and you know, it was it was a retcon. Let's let's not be mistaken. You know, when Lucas, he'll claim that, you know, that he had the the tragedy of Darth Vader, the six film cycle written in nineteen seventy seven. Not not true. Not the case. Um, but I think it all worked. It all puts stuff into place. You know, uh, and and it, it turned what like you said, like the first Star Wars would be a standalone movie, and Price Strikes Back made it a, made it a a franchise. You know, and then you could go on and on and on from there. Question to you, though, when you heard, you know, Darth Vader's like, I am your father, right? Mm-hmm. i thought about this, seeing it, because I even I can't remember when I found that out. Like, you know, I, I saw the Star Wars movie so young. I just always knew that. I just, I can't remember seeing it for the first time, honestly, you know. Um, but when, when Darth Vader says, I am your father, do you immediately assume that he is the, hints uh, to that point, unnamed Anakin Skywalker, that they were one and the same? Or do you, did you think that he is...
1: Luke's father instead of the person that Luke thought was his dad. You know what I'm saying? Well, when it happened and and, and I still remember the first time it happened, in my mind I was like he's just trying to he's, he's trying to manipulate Luke, right? And I thought uh-huh. in the next movie, I really did, just watching it for the first time. This is how it's how seared it is into my memory uh-huh. that uh, that they were going to come back and and they were going to show how it wasn't really his father, but it was just Darth Vader being his evil self trying to convince him of that. And I was, I was like one of very few people that thought that way. Apparently, because I remember at the time, I was like, "No, no, he's really as far as like it can't be." You heard what what Obi once said, and and all those things. And then, um, you know, it was. It 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 was like kind of a a letdown for me at the beginning because um, kind of like Close Encounters, I was wrong, right? <laughs> so I am sitting there going, "Oh come on, you know this this is the way I, it, it it didn't make sense to me." And I and, and part of it was and and I still I mean hey I know this isn't a Star Wars podcast, so I I hate to go off on this. But I, I still am like um I. I it, it watered down Vader considerably once he was redeemed. In, in my in my eyes, it, it, you know, I wanted him to be the most evil, terrible thing in the in the planet in the galaxy at the time. But yeah, I I didn't believe it. I just didn't believe it. And uh-huh. there were so many debates and stuff going on back then. It was fun. It was a lot. Of, it, those that was great times, man. And then. Like you say, you gotta wait years to find out what's what's going on. That that movie pulled it off like no other. I, I can't yeah. remember, you know, being as excited for another movie uh, like I was after The Empire Strikes Back.
0: And then you know, some of the Star Trek movies are lacking in a lot, and Star Wars, Star Wars movies obviously excel in are hand to hand like one on one combat. Yeah, and I, that, that that's one of my favorite things in movies. You put a sword fight in a movie, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm there. Like that that immediately gives it like five bonus points for me uh when there's a sword fight empire strikes back arguably the best lightsaber fight in the whole franchise uh just you know for the emotions going on for the locations you know that they duel in several different areas so Mm -hmm. and they're and they're you know saying things to each other there's a lot of weight there you know you look at some of the lightsaber fights in the prequels so much cgi so much just these characters don't even know each other (laughs) you know (laughs) it's just there's not a lot of weight to them you know but there's a lot of weight to these and uh and yeah, and I think that's something that, that puts it over the top. Ironically, you know, uh, Star Trek Two was supposed to have a sword fight between Kirk and Khan, like li- literal swords, which I'm not sure why that was I never part heard of that. it. Yeah, um, yeah, that that was you know they they had planned a scene because they realized that Kirk and Khan never met in the movie, right? So they were like Kirk was gonna like oh Khan was gonna beam down to uh, Regula and fight Kirk and then beat him and then take Genesis, but they said oh well that. I think maybe even Shatner was like, yeah, I don't want to do that because I'll look weak or something like that. I'm sure somebody out there knows the whole story. But I I do remember that was a a planned scene initially and they cut it before they even got to filming it. I'm glad they did. Although it would have been awesome, again, to see a sword fight. I'm not sure how that would have played out very well with Ricardo Montalban versus William Shatner. He would, have, he would have made Kurt look bad. So it's probably for the best they they, they took that out. But um, they but don't know... And that's also that's a great callback to, to the connection between Revenge of the Jedi and and uh, the Wrath of Khan because because they had planned to call Wrath of Khan the Vengeance of Khan. Right. But then Lucasfilm's like, we're coming out with Revenge of the Jedi. And they're like, oh, these titles are too similar. Let's change it. So they changed it to Wrath of Khan. And then... Of course, uh, return of the Return of the Jedi ended up being the the final title for Revenge of the Jedi, so it was all changed for nothing. And so I mean Wrath, Vengeance, it's all the same. But uh, it, it's interesting again; these franchises continue to be connected as we move forward.
1: So, mm-hmm. yeah, isn't it funny how um, how marketing folks and movies or whatever you, you know just. Uh, and I guess there's there's plenty of things you could question the intelligence of public on different things, but on on that one, I was like, really that that you're really concerned that people are going to get the two mixed up, even though you're coming out year apart. Okay, whatever. I just thought that was one of those things. Even when I was a kid, I was like, that seems ridiculous. Because well, the, it would be the vengeance. The vengeance of Khan is what we knew was coming. And when they changed it, it just—I just. just I mean, I understand why they went rev- to Return versus Revenge. I remember the whole thing of softening it up and Jedis don't re- do Revenge and all that other stuff. I get that. But it was one of those things that just—it had more weight with the Vengeance of Khan. It just sounded really cool. Wrath was—eh, okay. Well, I think today they would even—they would they would not change it intentionally.
0: They would be like, oh, this is great. People might get it confused and think they're going to see the new <laughs> the new Star Wars movie. Like Like today, I feel like there's a lot of that— Piggybacking on what other uh, marketing campaigns are doing and try to like, I don't. I don't it's hard to like trick people these days because the internet is so easy to like find out which movie's which. But but I do I do you know you see a lot of posters that look the same all the time. You see a lot of trailers that look very similar. I feel like people are they they try to cater to things that are popular. Sure. And, and I feel like today they would be like oh that's great we have similar titles people will go see our movie too. So especially in the eighties where there wasn't that much information available to you like what's that new space movie like v- revenge or vengeance or whatever yeah let's go see that I heard that was good so. Mm-hmm. But there we go, guys. Uh, Empire Strikes Back gets the point. <laughs> so Star Wars is up two to nothing so far in this in this point by point comparison. So and you know we're blowing through these, but hey, we're not a Star Wars podcast. Uh, but we are enjoying. Thank you for indulging us <laughs> because it's fun. We never get a chance or one chance to talk about Star Wars. So this, this is our Christmas gift to
1: each other, Zach. Right?
0: <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. There you
1: go.
0: <laughs> so we move on to the next one. Return of the Jedi versus the Search for Spock. So Ken, I'll let you go first on this. If you had to, if you had to pick one of these two, which would you
1: pick? Tough one, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. I I liked Return of the Jedi a lot when it came out, and but over the years watching it, it it's lost its mojo with me quite a bit. Um, yeah, you know, it just I like I said, there are a couple of reasons why. Um, uh, Ewoks, big reason. Uh, but the the first what, the first hour, maybe, of Return of the Jedi, I thought was spectacular, the rescue, all that stuff. But even that just got too crazy with all the Muppets at the time. Looks a little bit better now. (laughs) Uh, And then the search for Spock, obviously, um, iconic in terms of what it gave to Star Trek. And I know it doesn't sit on the the same level with me as it does with you, but I do love the movie. So I think, in this case, I'm going with Trek. I think the the search for Spock, you could argue it isn't as epic, it isn't as big, um, but what it does for the franchise going forward, what it delivers, it gives us Spock back and a lot of good movies to follow, and, uh, and a new series, arguably, after that. I just think it, it did more for Star Trek than uh, Return of the Jedi did for Star Wars, in my, in my world, I'm not saying commercially, just in my mind. Well,
0: good. I wanted you to go first because everybody knows Star Trek 3 is my favorite Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I'm probably biased, but I, I would also pick Star Trek 3 uh, for, for many of the same points you said. Return of the Jedi, I mean, it did a serviceable job wrapping up the trilogy, but you look at stuff like Java's Palace being like kind of the Muppet Show. You look at the Ewoks and Return of the Jedi on indoor, you know, not, you know, you look at the new movies like with Porgs, right? I think the Porgs are cute. I think they're adorable. And I think that's also great that they don't influence the plot like they're just kind of there right the ewoks like okay they're cute and adorable and then they defeat the Empire like that is a big <laughs> I understand what they're going for like oh look even the smallest creature you know can defeat the most giant military machine and all that I understand like, what the, the what they were going for with that. And, you know, as your kid, it's like, oh, yeah, the Ewoks. Uh, and then, you know, one of the saddest moments in any film is when that Ewok dies, you know, and his friend comes over to him and, like, <laughs> tries to shake him. Like, that, that made me so sad when I was a kid. I was like, oh, no. Uh, so sad. But, uh, yeah, it just it doesn't hold up. I think the Luke, Emperor, Vader scenes, all those are excellent. Powerful. You know, that's Very some, powerful, yeah. Some of the best stuff of the whole saga. Mm-hmm. And, then of course, you know, that's one of my favorite, you know, favorite scenes in all of cinema is, like, when – when the Emperor is shocking Luke, and Vader looks back and forth and back and forth, you can like almost see his his mask is expressionless, right? you can almost see expression. You can see the conflict on his on his expressionless mask, and it's amazing. Just the the music and everything, the direction there, brilliant. But it's all kind of a wash, I think. In, in Jedi, you know, there's some brilliant stuff. There's some not so brilliant stuff. So, as you said, I think uh, Search for Spock is you know just a, as a complete piece is. is more consistent, better, uh, did more for Star Trek, kind of launched Star Trek in a, a in a new direction. You had, you know, 4, 5, 6, TNG, you know, TNG movies. So, without Search for Spock kind of, you know, resetting the franchise as it did after Wrath of Khan, who knows what would have happened? And then you Return of the Jedi, and this was intentional, but I'm just saying Return of the Jedi was it for Star Wars for a long time. So there was no, like, momentum built off that. Mm-hmm. Like, was, Star Wars went, like, media dark until the early 90s when they started coming out with books and video games and stuff like that. And it was a slow build-up to the special editions in, you know, 15 years later. So so I'm going to go with uh, Search for Spock as well. I mean, some of the best Star Trek moments of all time are in Search for Spock, and and just across the board, you know, I'll fight you on that out there. <laughs> I, I know that might be controversial because people put the original trilogy kind of on this pedestal, and, and I think definitely, you know, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back are two of the greatest films of all time and deserve all the, all the praise and acclaim they get. Return of the Jedi kind of just gets in just... By, you know, uh, gets grandfathered in, you know, due to its connection during its finishing off the trilogy, but if it were just kind of look at it independently, I, I just I don't think it's it's consistent and holds and
1: holds up enough. So I, I actually like The Force Awakens more than Return of the Jedi. So well, that's funny. It it is it's one of those things too. I don't know why I don't I haven't heard a lot of people speak to it when it came to Return of the Jedi, but when I was watching it, whenever in '83, um, I always felt that the acting in it was very poor uh, it, with with Carrie Fisher, with Harrison Ford. I felt like they were mailing it in. It, uh-huh. it, maybe it was because of the tension, the drama, the high stakes in Empire Strikes Back. I felt like they, uh, you know, I felt like it was very legitimate. But when they're on the moon running around, uh, the expressions seem over the top. It seems too cavalier, for, given the... Um, the, the emotional weights of the scenes and then you know then it gets even more watered down with the with the silly creatures and I, I, I just it, it really was amazing to me that I th- that I remember you know at the time, Thinking, wow, they—they are—they are not putting their heart and soul into this. I, I, I it just didn't come off believable. I don't know if if other people feel that way or saw that, but that was one of the things that really hurt the movie in my opinion. The scenes with um, Mark Hamill and and um uh, uh, Ian McDermott, Ian McDermott, yep, and and the team that, that those were incredible. I I felt the weight there. Don't get me wrong, but. I just felt like, for whatever reason, that that whole that whole scenario down there was just, you know, even the tension, you know, when they're on the shuttle going past the the star, the superstar destroyer and all that. I mean, you could feel it. And then they got down there, and it just seemed like this isn't, yeah, it it just isn't working. They're right. they are really mailing it in, and I felt like Harrison Ford could do that at times. Anyway, he's a great actor, but there are times where he could just like, Dah. you could. T- I felt like he was completely disinterested in making that movie. Well,
0: he was. I mean, he wanted them to kill off Han Solo, and he was frustrated they weren't. And spoilers for The Force Awakens, they did kill off Han Solo, and I think that's why he maybe gave such a good... I think he gave an excellent performance in The Force Awakens. It really felt like Han Solo. It was real, yeah. And I felt like you know what he like oh good this is it you know well good I'm gonna die well good I'm gonna give him my all like he was excited about that and you can even tell like when he was doing press because he's notoriously like a grumpy kind of guy in real life and, and oh, he, yeah. when he when he was doing press and all that for for the Force Awakens he seemed to be very jovial and very happy and like because he knew he
1: was never gonna have to do it again. So... <laughs> well, I think there was a couple of clauses in that twenty million dollars he got paid to do it.
0: <laughs> perhaps, perhaps so, but yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, there's a definite, there's a definite shift in in the Han Solo from. The first two movies in Return of the Jedi. And Carrie Fisher, you know, she, she has, you know, as self proclaimed, she was an addict, you know, so she was kind of out of it a lot of the time. Maybe, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be. So she was kind of zoned out a lot of the time in Return of the Jedi as well. So, but you had Mark Campbell holding that ship down, man. So it's so, a so good on you, Mark. <laughs> so the points against Return of the Jedi. And then you look over at Search for Spock, that, that's arguably your know, Shatner's best or second best performance you know, after mm-hmm. Wrath of Khan. So, I mean, that's uh, that that scene where he stumbles back into the chair is, like, brilliant acting moment, you know? So, forever comparing blow for blow here. But all, all solid points. Return of the Jedi, controversial, because, I mean, for, for years, it was like, oh, it's just a Star Wars trilogy. But I think, I think honestly, when you, when once the prequels came out, and then you look back at Return of the Jedi, you start to see the seeds of what would come to fruition in the prequels. And you're like, oh, I see where this started. I see You see more of the faults, so... So there you have it. So that, that that'd be more of a controversial pick, I'm sure, picking the for Spock over Return of the Jedi. But let's, let's let's move on to the next the next trilogy mm-hmm. to discuss, if you will. Now th- these, you know, so 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 Star Wars won the first two rounds. Star Trek came from a like you know a close third, but I I think I think Star Trek's in pretty good shape here coming up. Ken looking looking at the uh, <laughs> looking at the matchups. So we got the Voyage Home versus the Phantom Menace and wow right i mean i'll say this probably controversial i think the phantom menace is the best of the prequel trilogy i feel like i will take the child acting from jake lloyd over the horrible romance with hayden christensen Uh, i feel like it's far enough removed from the original trilogy we can kind of fill in the gaps of everything else and doesn't hurt it that much i think uh, liam neeson is my favorite actor Mm -hmm. of all time oh is that right yeah, yeah. So him as Qui-Gon is excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh I also love him in the taken movies. I will buy every single Liam Neeson action movie on Blu ray. It's amazing. <laughs> he's like my favorite action star. Really?
1: Of all people. Yeah. That's interesting. We'll have to dive into that someday. I I'll well, we'll, I mean, we'll find it you yes, connection. Uh, yeah. Don't get me, I like Liam Neeson a lot. I'm just I'm just curious as to why, but we'll we'll get into that another time. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Sure, for sure, for sure.
0: But you know, him Darth Maul, an excellent villain, you mm-hmm. know, Ray Park, he he has has a physical presence. He is a martial artist. So he does some incredible things. Uh, I wish he had more to do in the movie. Ian McDermott, as we were talking about Return of the Jedi, amazing that they brought him back. You know, he played a super, super old guy in Return of the Jedi. And then fast forward 20 years to the prequels, and he's the perfect age to play the Emperor of that time. Uh, He anchors the the prequels, I think, in his performances. He does, yeah. Uh, Ian McGregor, he's solid throughout the whole trilogy as Obi Wan, you know, Uh, but good in episode one. His his dynamic with Liam Neeson as Qui Gon is good uh the lightsaber fight probably my second favorite after *Empire strikes back i kind of i kind of go back and forth because it's incredibly it's incredibly choreographed and just so impressive to see the jedi at the height of their powers and that was the whole point of, of this fight uh, but there is no there's not much emotional weight because these characters don't know each other so it's kind of a wash with them imp- to me to price strikes back they go back and forth one and two my favorite lightsaber fight in the whole franchise but that's about it guys like <laughs> other than what i just said everything else in the movie is not good <laughs> <laughs> the jar jar is not good the special effects i mean the special effects are good but like you can tell like it, it's there, there's a lot of cgi going on there um like it sometimes stuff doesn't even look real uh, i think they just kind of overdo it uh the story the stories it can get boring sometimes uh the, the pod people always talk about how awesome the pod race is uh, it's fine i guess i mean it's exciting i mean I, I liked it when i was a kid watching it or younger but it doesn't quite hold up and and then, of course, you got stuff like uh, uh, the Gungans are just kind of embarrassing. And, it, I, you know, the Yoda puppet is terrible. Like, I don't know how they did the puppet worse 20 years later. They, they've actually rectified that in uh, the Blu-ray release. They, they CGI'd over the puppet with the new CGI Yoda. So this is the revisionist Lucas, that's a rare case of an improvement there. So I'm just I'm just sifting I'm just just sifting all that out to just kind of explain my take on the Phantom. And it's all that said, I do think it's it's the better prequel because as much as I criticize the CGI and whatnot, at least they actually went on actual locations. They went to Tunisia, they went to uh, Italy, uh, they built sets, you know. So it, it feels a lot more like a real film than the other two, which like literally seventy five percent of it is people in front of blue screens and green screens. So so all that said. Versus The Voyage Home? Yeah, no comparison. Star Trek Four is way better than The Phantom Menace. Like, that, should, that shouldn't even be a discussion. <laughs> I mean, it's like a slam dunk win, wouldn't you say, Ken?
1: Yes. <laughs> After all that, it's <laughs> like, okay. I... <laughs> I wouldn't even know, first of all, you know, you were on quite a roll, and I think you captured very well the thoughts of the, the Phantom Menace. Again, you know, The Voyage Home was the most successful, at the time, the most successful Star Trek film, commercially speaking. It's the one that had broad-range appeal, right? Star Wars, everybody, it's very rare, you know, to find people who don't know or don't like Star Wars. It's just very rare. And Star Trek is, is very... Um, I don't know. It's 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 very binary. They either like it or they don't, right? And it's it's just the way it is. But Star Wars, obviously, the scale and the amount of fans and the amount of money and the the amount of attention that it draws is, you know, much, much, you know, five times more than, than Star Trek. That's that's a very unscientific number there, but I guess I could go look at, at box office, and that's the only way to really check this data. But, you know, look, look what the, the new the new movies do in a weekend versus, you know, an entire run of even the, uh, the more recent Star Trek films. It's just incredible, uh, the worldwide love for Star Wars and appreciation for it. Having said that, you know, I look at The Voyage Home as being a movie that should have and could have, perhaps, if Star Trek V was better, pulled a lot more people into the franchise. Uh, it, it definitely, you know, I will say that Star Trek The Next Generation is, is, is what really turned things and pulled a lot of people into Star Trek after The Voyage Home. You know, they launched the series, you know, about a year and a half after the movie came out, which was great. So, yeah, to me, uh, you know, without, without getting into all the things that you just mentioned about The Phantom Menace, there's, there's a lot of things I liked about the movie. There was a lot of things I didn't like about the movie, but it, I, I still enjoy it. I watch it to this day. You know, it's, 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 it's more um, positive than negative overall, so I'll, I'll check it out every once in a while. But um, and I probably watch it more than I do the Voyage Home, to be honest with you. Nowadays, I don't know why that is. But as far as movie to movie, what what's the better film? What's you know uh, more grounded, funnier? Um, you know, has some real tension to it, uh, it. You know, with with the whole ecological message and all that stuff. I mean, Voyage Home. Like I guess it isn't that serious a movie, but it it's. It just wins on all fronts in, in my opinion. It's it's a great Star Trek movie. It's a great movie all by itself. And I think in this case it, it tops the Phantom Menace.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I mean there you go. But would you do you agree with me about it being the best prequel or no? What are your thoughts?
1: I no, I, I like the um The Revenge of the Sith is uh-huh. is my favorite prequel. We can we can
0: get into that. We'll get into that yeah, in sure, a few minutes here. Sure. <laughs> so, but I, I, I see
1: where you're going. Yeah, I see mm-hmm. where you're going. Mm-hmm.
0: So the next one is uh The Final Frontier versus Attack of the Clones. Now this is each of the much of this is like the the other end of the spectrum from Empire Strikes back and The Wrath of Khan because mm-hmm. each of these of these six film cycle most people or a lot of people consider them each to be the worst. There's kind of a <laughs> it's kind of a one two with a lot of people between uh, The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. I guess it's like what pick your poison? Do you want the child acting cheesiness and childish Jar Jar Binks from episode one, or do you want the terrible romance and very questionable acting by Hayden Christensen at episode two, plus the CGI, just in your face, ridiculous explosion of everything. Like there's not, I'll tell you what, there's not one clone trooper that is not CGI in this film. It's ridiculous. It's a human being that you can put in a costume. <laughs> You know, but instead you just CGI it. There's a time and a place for CGI, and that is not the... Like, George Lucas, man, you did a lot of great stuff for special effects. I understand you're trying to push the boundaries, but just put a guy in a costume, for God's sake, and copy and paste him a thousand times. Don't put all CGI. Anyway, pick your poison. Uh, but I think uh, a lot of people have come around to, th- to realizing Attack of the Clones is actually the worst of the prequels. Um, and then, you know, rank the other two wherever you want. So you got that, and you got the Final Frontier... And and you know, we love the Final Frontier more than most people can, uh, in the grand scheme of things, right? But that said, w- we all can see that it's it's the weakest of the original series movies, so they both rank last. So I'm still gonna say the Final Frontier wins this one because there's a lot of just character moments. Uh, we, we talk we actually talk about the Final Frontier a lot, right? That <laughs> I think about it around here. But you know, what Godney yeah. with yeah, mm-hmm. what is God need with the starship? That's such such a quotable thing, the whole scene. Uh, all the stuff Kirk Spock and McCoy is great. Even if you know, even if you're not a huge Star Trek fan, I think you can. Their chemistry comes through the scene to you regardless. You know, if you're just watching any movie, you know, it's like like a like a, a road trip movie with these middle aged men, you know, <laughs> it'd be a fun. You know, fun romp to go on with these guys uh, because their real life chemistry comes through on the screen. So all that really carries the movie more than anything in Attack of the Clones. No one has any chemistry in Attack of the Clones. Ian McGregor, you know, God bless him. He's he's. <laughs> He's acting against nothing for most of the movie. He's walking down hallways and looking at X's on poles and, you know. Um I do really like his fight with Django Fett in the rain. That was pretty cool. We hadn't seen a lightsaber uh use in the rain or a fight in the rain in Star Wars, so using some elements there. And then, you know, I'll say this about Attack of the Clones, uh Yoda fighting, right? Mm-hmm. I was in high school when this came out and when and there was there was buzz about Yoda, like he was gonna use a lightsaber and fight, right? So we're anticipating it the whole movie, right? And I sort of the electricity anticipation in the movie theater when that happened, we see like him walking up, you see a shadow, you're like, oh, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And then he pulls out a lightsaber and starts jumping around like that was one of the most amazing things I had ever seen in my entire life. Where people were screaming and yelling and laughing. It was an amazing experience. You fast forward a few years later, I'm like, that is awful. That is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen. That is a that is a complete <laughs> fundamental misuse of that character <laughs> it's just, so uh that's that's those are the extremes i think people were on that high after attack of clones that's like oh man this is what we wanted from star wars well uh no it's not what you want from star wars um and then hey christopher lee was great in that as well though he's always great so it was great to see him uh saruman pr- 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 playing pretty much the same character he did in <laughs> in lord of the Rings. saruman is dooku in in the, in the prequel so so that's my take on Attack of Clones. Uh, I'm going with the final frontier what
1: about you okay well it's it's funny uh i was i was deployed so you were in high school huh my last deployment mm-hmm. my first deployment <laughs> and um it was it was interesting because the the attack of the clones was released while we were on deployment and we were actually able to go and and see the movie and we were in a um in a theater that allowed for uh, it had an intermission right and so it was, it was interesting. And so all of us um, were looking for a break. We were looking for, you know, we were like Star Wars. We, we can't wait. This is, this is huge, right? So, you know, we were, we were all pretty pumped uh, to, to go see it. And uh, what was it? Two thousand and two. It had to been right. I yeah, like, correct. You know, you're yeah. right on that one. You're right on that one. <laughs> well, it helps when you're overseas, you know, <laughs> being pulled back to active duty. That kind of sticks out in your head. So mm-hmm. we're back there, and, and so we go see the movie, and um, you know, we're watching it unfold. And I remember when it, it ends. The 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 intermission ends with um, with with Hayden Christensen and, and Natalie Portman. You know in in the in in the tr- the most worst trope ever in hollywood you know rolling around in the field oh yes, you know, what a wonderful scene stuff. oh god yeah <laughs> and and it actually and actually you know that's that's when the lights came on and we were to take a break and there was this universal from every 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 person it was like groaning like oh my god like like like, like lucas had done something purposely to ruin <laughs> ruin <laughs> this escape moment that we wanted oh. so badly and fortunately when we went back in obviously it picked up it picked up quite a bit right you had the uh the whole scene where he goes after the sand people and and you know the the, the battle and, and 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 you know just in the asteroid field that was kind of cool i mean there it's it, it picked up it picked up quite a bit uh-huh. and thank god so it was to me it was like two movies at the time interesting yeah and 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 you know the the action scenes at the end were pretty cool i mean i the one thing I, I do get aggravated with with Star Wars is sometimes... I, I love space battles. I don't, I, I, the, the, the planetary ones on the ground, they're pretty good, you know, but I, I prefer space battles. That, that's my thing. And, and as much as I like the, the attack of the clones, you know, what they put together there with the shooting down of, 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 of the Trade Federation ships and things, it, it, was, it was really, really well done. But it was, it was a tough movie. To me, it's, it was two separate movies um, horribly... Horribly acted. I, I actually felt uncomfortable listening to the lines that were coming out of the uh, the characters because I knew they were trying to do their best in some cases. And obviously, Hayden Christensen gets a lot of grief. You know, I, I do think that even for top actors, it is tough when the dialogue's bad. And that's the same problem you had really in um, in Star Trek V. A lot of the dialogue yeah. was just. How do you act slapsticky? How do you, you know? How do you take these characters that have been around a long time? Um, even Shatner, you know, when he's directing himself, he just doesn't act as well. And it just it, there's a lot of great character moments in Star Trek Five, and I'll, and I'll watch both, but I have to go the other way on you this one. I, oh, I, we, I, have, yeah.
0: we have a disturbance it, in the force here. We do,
1: we do, and and I think it I think it has a lot to do with the way emotionally you know like like the like the the attack of the clones came back right it it came back to me and and you know when i watch them today i i i cringe during both movies i don't feel i don't enjoy watching either movie a lot i really don't you know i do because i love the franchise but boy, I, you know, in both cases, and it's it's really close, Zach. It's not like one is overwhelmingly uh-huh. worse or better than the other. It's not. It's just I think that, you know, when, when you take the last hour and a half of the Attack of the Clones, plus I will have to say the whole political piece of it, how, you know, how Palpatine ascends. And, you know, I know he gains control in um, The Phantom Menace, but how he continues to to take piece by piece by piece how he's manipulated both sides all of that to me was very very clever plot wise i don't know if it was executed flawlessly but it was brilliant you know playing both sides of the both sides of the coin creating this war creating i mean that is the epitome of evil right you've got you've got two sides and and people dying left and right and sideways uh for this one guy's ascension into power. I mean, imagine if if Hitler was somehow manipulating governments, uh, you know, to to come and fight both armies uh, in order to eventually take over everything. Uh, that's how I kind of attributed to it. So I think that that piece of the plot line that um you know, like I said the last hour and a half just pulls it above um the final frontier for me.
0: Okay, those those are fair arguments. And I think nostalgia might be Helping me with Star Trek 5, you know, having growing up watching it on tape and whatnot. Sure. Uh, And then seeing Attack of the Clones as, you know, a cynical young person. Uh, (laughs) So I I, I see your point there. So yeah, that's Attack of the Clones. Um, Also, need to mention it came out the same year. This is the only year that a, uh, well, up till the Disney era, but this is the only year that a Star Trek and Star Wars movie had come out the same year. Uh, 2000. What what a year 2002. We got to, the two towers. You got Attack of the Clones, and you got Star Trek Nemesis, and uh, one of those movies was a complete bomb at the box office. <laughs> it, it was not Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. Uh, Nemesis got beat by Maid in Manhattan. Are you kidding me? So, uh, uh, you know I'll, I'll Is say that this. True. <laughs> yeah, it did not finish number one in the box office. It was Jennifer a Jennifer Lopez rom com finished number one at the box office that weekend.
1: Well, December I knew it was nowhere near number one. I just didn't realize it had fallen that bad. Wow. Yeah. Mm.
0: I mean, it was, it was number two, I think. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. Talk, uh, yeah. If you compare Nemesis and Attack of the Clones, ew, I might have to go with Attack of the Clones on that one. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's not that's not the debate here. We'll leave that to the real great crew. But uh, that, that's... Uh, so, yeah. So that's where we are in 2002. And then, you know, fast forward to uh, 2005. You got... Uh, Revenge of the Sith versus the Undiscovered Country, both ending their franchises as they were at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're both going to go with Undiscovered Country on this, aren't we, Kent? Mm-hmm. Even, though, even though you like Revenge of the Sith. I do. Uh, you see, my deal with Revenge of the Sith is it's kind of fool's gold to me because it shows you everything you thought you wanted to see. But, again, the execution is so bad. It's <laughs> so many aspects. I just uh, – it's like, oh, so that's that's how that happened. Oh, Oh, okay. Like, one of the worst lines of dialogue ever is Obi Wan trying to explain to Padme that Anakin turned the dark side, and that he 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 says, "I have seen a security hologram of him killing younglings." I'm like, what is? First of all, what does that even mean? <laughs> it's like how dispassionate can you get? I just like that. To me, that like one scene where everyone's trying to talk to Padme like epitomizes how because these are great actors. Like, this is even Greg. To your point, Ken. Like these are these are uh, Natalie portman's Academy Award winning actress. Emma McGregor's a great actor, and they're having such a hard time getting this this stilted, terrible dialogue out. And then you got Hayden Christensen over here, and I think look, he gets a bad rap for the prequels. I think he's very expressive. He has a very expressive face, very expressive eyes. I think when he's turning evil, like you can see that working on his face. But I don't know if it if if it's his acting choices or Lucas's directing choices or the writing but god he's just so bad. You know he's just so bad. At the end he's like my new empire and all this stuff and you're like uh and then he, he talks all slow like when he turns evil like like in that scene where he kills Mace Windu and and he's talking to Palpatine and and then of course Palpatine like becomes like just a complete parody of himself. Like he's been so brilliant for the last two movies and the first half of Revenge of the Sith and then he like they put on the ma- oh, again like the Yoda puppet in the Phantom Menace, they put on the emperor makeup and they did it way better in the 80s for some reason than they did in the 2000s and he looks ridiculous. Uh, cuz in the in the 1983, I'm sure in the Jedi like like the emperor makeup was great. He looked like this creepy old like wizard guy. But in he looks like he's wearing a stupid Halloween mask in Revenge of the Sith and I just and then again like with Yoda, like with the lightsaber you give the emperor a lightsaber like he always thought these guys were above that, you know, with the force and I don't. I wanted to see some confrontation between the two of them, not some silly lightsaber fight where he's throwing the senate at him and all this nonsense. And I don't know. It's it. It's rough, man. It's rough. And then Padme loses the will to live when she just had two kids. And I don't know. That, that it. uh I mean, I enjoyed it at the time, of course, because it was Star Wars, right? And it was like, oh, we only get six of these, and this is the sixth one. But it was almost like too much lightsabers. Like we all love lightsabers, right? General Grievous, who is this guy? Where'd he come from? You know, why does he have four lightsabers? And then we have another lightsaber fight. Another, another. My favorite lightsaber fight of this whole movie is the first one with Dooku, Obi-Wan, and Anakin. Because it's, you know, although we have a little CGI work with Christopher Lee here, it's like three guys just fighting in a very similar throne room area to Return of the Jedi. So I like that. They weren't jumping on lava. And swinging from cables and stuff. And, like, the Anakin Obi-Wan fight was, like, I would look forward to that, like, my whole life. I was like, one day we're going to get episode three and we're going to see this awesome lightsaber fight. And then you see it and you're like, oh, that was it? Like, that, he doesn't even try. There's not even much conversation. Like, he tries to, like, talk to him, like, once. And that's it. And he should have been trying to turn him back to the light side instead of they're flipping around on lava platforms. And all. So that, so there you go. That, that, there's a similar rant. I'm going to these prequel rants. This is our venue. This is this, this is our venue to talk about this. I'm getting getting out my thoughts on Revenge of the Sith. All that to say, I'm here to help of, you, buddy. <laughs> the <laughs> on the other side, Undiscovered Country is a brilliant film, one of the best Star Trek films. Well told, intelligent, uh, professionally put together, well acted piece of cinema. And Revenge of the Sith doesn't even compare. So,
1: yeah, I agree. I well, I, and I like the Revenge of the sh- Sith. Revenge of a, the Sith. <laughs> I feel like I, where's where's where's, it, where's Tony Black when I need him doing Sean Connery. Uh, speaking for Ken, uh, introducing movies. Now it's in my head too, since uh, yeah, I'm famous for tripping over my own words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As mentioned on Facebook, but it's it's one of those things where, you know, again, just by coincidence, deployed again, huh. right? Uh, <laughs> away from home, another Star Wars movie. It was like, you know, my my reactivation to active duty always popped up when a Star Wars movie <laughs> was being released. <laughs> and And saw this overseas, and there were a lot of elements of this movie that were a lot of fun. I thought the uh, the political gamesmanship I thought the stories in the opera were really fascinating That was the
0: best scene of the movie right there yeah, I love it was, yeah it
1: was it was it was one of the more intense you know the music in the background and all of that and just you know the, the amount of power that palpatine was was getting and then to your point Zach it it just all came kind of crashing down. I mean the effects were. Incredible, but you couldn't suspend that much disbelief to enjoy uh-huh. it, right? I mean, you know, there were parts I'm going, why aren't their clothes on fire? I mean, they're they're a foot away from, <laughs> you know, do we do we, you know, can you can you get that close to a stove with your hand and and not, it, it, you know, it, it's just a lot of things just kind of went, uh you know, why why did it have to go this way? But I think the the piece that really upset me more than anything else was it wasn't just the turning of Vader, and I think they they. There wasn't enough to turn him in this movie. Right? I just felt like it was it was too sudden, too swift. It was it was intense, but it was like too sudden, too swift. And I and I understood, you know, his whole goal was to save his wife or his girlfriend or his wife and I'm sorry. And and, and all of that and that, that can be a powerful leader. But it just seemed to me I was like there needed to be more. There just needed to be more to push him over the top. And that that was one piece. And then I think you nailed it when you talk about you know the the emperor in in his change from a conniving, uh, very demonstrative, um, very collected leader, right? I mean, and then all of a sudden, no, 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 the voice changes. He looks ridiculous, and you know, my little green friend. Uh, you know, I was like, what the hell just happened to this incredibly intelligent, manipulative? You know, he was he was a great villain. He was right up there with Darth Vader in my mind up until that point. And when he changed and it became a, oh, a, a B-movie-level uh, villain, I was like, really? You know, with the laughing and the, ah, ha, ha, ha. You know, I, I just was like, you've got to be kidding me. Well, it, uh, And I felt, the- I actually, like you, felt for the actors. I was like, yeah. you're giving these incredible people this ridiculous dialogue. I mean, when he said my little green friend, and all, I I just was done. Just I, I done. Had, I had
0: for, I had forgotten that line, again Thank you for, for reminding me. <laughs> Talking to Yoda. Look, look how we traveled here. We've we've gone from like Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back, two
1: of the greatest films in cinema history, to like uh, which ones do we hate the least?
0: <laughs> These last three. Well, to,
1: to to be fair, I mean, and your your passion is is definitely felt and understood, and I get it. You know, I. I can't say that that I'm at the same level you are i I'm not i, I there's like I said for me, I think because i, I enjoyed the political aspect of it the uh-huh. um the way people can fall you know the you know the the promise that this person's supposed to bring balance to the universe and he doesn't you know he goes the other way and the shock and the spin and all of that stuff was was very much there and and so a lot of stuff behind it was brilliant it just it just didn't execute but i can see past some of it just like i can a lot of times in star trek where i'm going man you know visually this isn't working but i see exactly where they're going with this and it and it's profound and it's almost the same way in some of these movies i see where a lot of this is going and i do appreciate it i think it's it's very very clever i think it speaks a lot to the human condition you know, there's there's a lot of analogies, especially in the prequels, more so than in the um, the original Star Wars. So it's it's deeper in context. It just doesn't execute, and I think that's that's the struggle. Is uh. you know, when when you when, and I give you know, Lucas took an awful lot on. Um, you know, there's there's a part of him that you know it's Cameronesque, right? In terms of wanting uh. to to make the most sophisticated movies in history because he's got the money to do it. He's going to direct it all himself, which is a lot to ask. And then he's going to write it all himself. And I, he's just not – he's a hes a good writer. He's not a great writer. And, and you know, it's almost uncomfortable, you know, it, pick any movie. You know, even even with Padme saying she's going to bed, you know, and, you know excuse me while I retire, and <laughs> looks down and walks off the set in this very – I mean, none of it seemed – Real. I mean, it just it, it really did seem like they were acting. It, you did not believe that these were characters in a movie. Mm-hmm. You, you actually saw a bad rehearsal and it pulled you out a lot. And that that was, I think, the struggle with it. But the um, the political aspects, the human condition aspects of whatever the prequels I think are there. You know, I think there's, there's, there's a tragedy that's definitely told. I think what helps us is we knew a lot of the backstory, so you can fill gaps in your head that you don't necessarily see on screen. And there were some visually incredible moments that were produced for its time. There's no doubt about it. You know, that, that space battle at the beginning of um, Revenge of the Sith was, was pretty intense. You know, oh, yeah. I, I thought, you know, with the missiles and things, it's like, hey, we're, we're taking on a whole different. Um,
0: you had to see Anakin being the great pilot we'd heard so much about. Because I, I think yeah. that's different being a space pilot than like being a pod racing pilot with a little kid. That's, yeah. There's yeah. a difference there. And then they, I mean, no they, no you, then, you keep bringing up the political stuff. I 100 percent agree. They yeah. And co- concept it was great. Execution was weak
1: yeah and and it's 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 a shame but you know, I, I see where it's going i don't i don't hate the prequels you know overall i mean i'll, I'll they're, they're better than a lot of other movies that have been made there's yeah. no doubt about it and i and i'll get pulled into it in this discussion comparing it against these Star trek movies talking about you know which is really my passion for entertainment is star trek i mean there's there's nothing to me better um you, you know than, than any of this stuff um you know star trek is is my favorite so, you know, it's 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 really, when you look at it at this lens, and you, you pulled all the different things that you did that, that bothered you, I 100% agree, and we're comparing against Star Trek movies that either executed as well or didn't, but if you were to compare it against other movies of the genre or the movies that came out those years, I think it would be a little bit different. Uh, it might be, anyway. Well,
0: yeah, no, I, I saw, you yeah. like, even, like, Star Wars, much like Star Trek, even when it's bad, it's good. <laughs> You know, yes, it is. there's stuff to enjoy. Uh, to, to tie it in here with, with to, to wrap up our Star Trek six, Revenge of the Sith, because we spent 95% of it talking about Revenge of the Sith, the political stuff as you keep talking about, look at Star Trek six. it does political stuff, and it does it expertly. You know, it's a metaphor for, like, what was going on in the Cold War and all that, and you can totally see that, and it totally works in the plot, and execution is right there, and it just, it, I'm not saying it's the only way to do this kind of thing, but it's just such a an A-B comparison of, like, how to do it right, and how to do it wrong, and unfortunately... I think that's how they did it wrong, uh, and then to your, you know, being passionate. Now, clearly, you guys can. I have some strong opinions about the Star Wars uh, movies. Uh, it's it, and you know this is this is a common phrase going around the internet right now with all the um hullabaloo about the last Jedi. No one hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans. <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said about that, just because how passionate you get about stuff, and and you, it's entertainment. I mean, you use the word hate kind of in a comical way. Um, I you know there's a lot there is a lot of good to the prequels but you look at what could have been and what ended up being and you're like Ugh. I mean look at Star Trek right we had six movies here I, I don't think you know they, they didn't reach quite reach the heights of of Star Wars but they oh, didn't god no they mm. didn't reach the lows of Star Wars either so yeah, I I I fair. prefer the consistency so it is this will be a, an ongoing discussion in nerd circles Forever, Star oh, these, Trek versus Star Wars. So. Sure. Hey,
1: these are great times. You know, you got both yeah. franchises that are alive and well. Uh, you know, you got Tarantino around the corner for Star Trek. I mean, it's like you can't make this up. Uh-huh. It's 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 there's there's so much intrigue around it. But yeah, you know, I kind of look at the two franchises this way. I guess of have given an analogy. You know, when uh, if if both were baseball teams, you know, one is built like the Bronx Bombers in terms of in terms of Star Wars, where you know, they go out and they just slug it out. And they either have, you know, games where there's a zillion home runs and they knock it out or they just strike out. And um, and Star Trek's more of the small ball right I mean, they, they bunt they hit they you know they they steal they, they do all these little things to, to try to win the game and 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 you know there's there's not quite as much like the, the highs are not as high and the lows aren't as low as star wars it's just just the way it is you know because of the way they play it so it's it's kind of you know my my view of things but both you know hey like i said there there's a lot of this versus and i, I don't do you ever see the movie fanboys
0: no, I I know about it though, but I have yet to see I, it. I so. think
1: you'd really enjoy it. I think you'd really enjoy it. I, I think it's a little over the top and it's meant to be. Uh-huh. But uh, well, well so am I. So that's true. But it, <laughs> and, it, and it you know, I'm not saying it's a great movie by any means, but it's it's kind of a fun movie and it takes on that whole premise, you know, of and, and they pull in a lot of uh-huh. people from both Star Wars and Star Trek going back and forth, you know, between between the two movie franchises. And I, I just thought it was it was a shame that Paramount didn't allow uh, the movie to actually use like Star Trek as a name or use the um, use the uniforms and all that other stuff. It would have been that much better. but it, it was kind of a fun romp and, and I, I kind of enjoyed that you know because it, it takes it the way we're talking about it, but that isn't reality. There's very few people that I know that are just on one side or the other. I think people enjoy both franchises tremendously. You want both to be successful because' it's, it's a lot of fun and they're great escapes. The great escapes in these crazy times. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's. This was this was fun. This was a great idea uh, to kind of talk through this and give us an opening to go into another direction. I'm sure a lot of people listening are probably like a little bit Star Warsed out with um, with this latest <laughs> movie, this last Je- the last Jedi. And I'd I'd love to do a commentary on that movie someday. I've got a lot of thoughts on that, but. Uh,
0: i could write i could write a thesis on that i think
1: <laughs> yeah yeah me too me too but yeah i know this is this is not the venue for it this is a an original series star trek and what we were able to do here very successfully with uh with you coming up with ide- ideas was to compare you know the first six uh, with the first six and i think that's an adequate comparison because you know both are um you know kind of along a similar lineage and and the new ones are going in a completely different direction so Yep, there's there's more that ties these franchises up together than, than pulls them apart. There's no doubt about that.
0: Absolutely. And then you, you know your final tally was three three for each, I believe. For me. Too. Yep. And yep. mine was four two in the favor of Star Trek. So let it be known, Star Trek fans. I <laughs> I gave Star Trek the higher score. <laughs> but uh, no, you're absolutely right. And I think uh, a lot of people in the, I, I I use this terminology, quote-unquote, the real world, right? You're out there just talking to people. And they're like, oh, I thought you liked
1: Star Trek. You like Star Wars, too? I'm
0: like, yeah, of course. Of course I like both. I don't <laughs> you know? know
1: anybody that doesn't, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anybody that, that, that... Well, it's usually people that aren't
0: like into sci-fi or anything at all.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. And I guess like, because oh, in the circles we play. Like thought you had to pick.
0: Yeah. Like, they, they, the, the pop culture understanding is, oh, you have to pick one side they're like No, no, no. It's it's all it's it's all entertainment. It's all a fun escape. It's mm-hmm. all a good time. And I, I'm very glad... Both franchises exist. Good movies and bad.
1: That's right, buddy. I am too.
0: All right. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Zach. Thank you for enjoying. Thank you for indulging us. Thank you for, thank you for enjoying what we just did. I hope you enjoyed what we just did. And thank you for indulging us in our Star Trek, Star Wars discussion. Ken and I rarely ever get to talk about Star Wars on here. Uh, being our subject matter is a little crossover. But as you, as you so eloquently put, Ken, more ties these franchises together than people may think. And so we hope you enjoyed our conversation there. But Star Wars isn't the only thing we're talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously
1: on Trek.FM, The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. I think they do that really good with another... If you want to call it Easter egg, which is when Michael does commit her act of mutiny, uh, she does it with a Vulcan neck pinch. And that's, you know, right in the tradition of Spock, right? Spock does that in the Menagerie. Uh, when he commits his act of mutiny, he, he, he does that to a fellow Starfleet officer.
0: Warp 5. I think it's, it's a lot more than that. And this character is an incredibly in-depth character, and there's a lot more to her than this. And I think that the reason, that the evidence for this is because of how she reacts with Picard. And even Picard. Like, Picard has this opinion of her. The orb.
1: And so I I feel as though O'Brien really is one of the characters who kind of opens up this idea for Rom that there's a different... Type of life. And I honestly think O'Brien is kind of the character
0: that Rom probably looks the most up to on this station. Yeah, I and, think so. and, and would yeah. want to be
1: like, if there's somebody that Rom's like, oh, I wish I could be like somebody when I grow up, it would be O'Brien. Standard orbit. <laughs> All these different languages and so forth. And it just instantly translates based on what has already been figured out between you know, two beings or, or whatever. This is different. The translator does not work that way. And I thought that is that is really sci-fi, right? Universal concepts coming through brainwaves in order to translate into language. That's pretty neat.
0: And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 file from our
1: website and grab the RSS link as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on TrekFN slash contact. And look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm and, of course, in the Babel Conference. Type Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron on the network on Patreon. If you visit Patreon slash Trek FM, that's P A T R E O N dot com slash Trek FM, you'll find the current goals and different milestone contributions along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on patreon.com slash Trek FM. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our great associate producers for Standard Orbit, Norman Lau, Tim Robertson, Nick Anastasio, Richard Marquez, and Corey Elrod. Yes, thank you guys so much for your support for both Standard Orbit
0: and Trek FM. Uh so Ken, if people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you?
1: Hey, you can find me hanging around the Babel conference and engaging people when I, when I have the opportunity, you can also find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at BostonSCPO, And we, uh, we like to tweet out all our new episode information as soon as we get it as well, as well as our colleagues. So look for me there.
0: As for me, you can find me on Twitter at moron Zach. That's M O O R E O N C A C H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman series from the early 2000s. And you can find us on Twitter at Always with one S. So thanks everyone for listening and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. Mm-hmm.